U.S. Foxes podcast coming to you live as always from various time zones around the United States. I, as always, am your host, Matt Folks, coming to you live from San Diego, California, joined this evening by two of my incredible co-hosts, first starting off in Houston, Texas, from the Texas Foxes, Mr. Jim Harris in a sexy tracksuit. What up, dude? Hey, I'm Matt. How are you today? <laughs> Thank you very much for the, the sartorial compliment. I like it. I'm doing quite well. We are also joined this evening uh, by my homie just up north, who I've just realized today we've been doing this pod since 2019, Mr. Chris Warner in Del Mar, California. 2019, Chris. Mate, it feels like yesterday we were sitting in your tiny on your tiny little table in the kitchen <laughs> of your apartment you share with your wonderful wife, recording the first podcast to now. Well, I wouldn't wouldn't change it for the world, buddy. But it it's it, time flies. It really does. And I what I remember most about that first episode is just how drunk we got uh, because we bought a bunch of Modern Times IPA and just got completely smashed. And we were like, oh, fuck it, let's just post this and see what happens. So uh, to see where we are now, you guys, is just incredible. And we owe all of that to you, our faithful listener. So thank you for joining us, like I said, as always, on another edition of the pod. Um yeah, basically, guys, if if you're a newer Leicester fan, I don't know if I could sum up being a Leicester fan better than the last two matches, honestly. Uh, the lowest of the lows on Friday, um, you know, most of the fan base ready to huck themselves off of old John and juxtapose that to now where we sit, knocking a Premier League side out of the FA Cup. Jimmy, is there anything more Leicester? No, um, I don't. I don't think there is. I, I think you would think we got relegated after Friday's result. Um, <laughs> you know, I think some of the reactions that we've seen and heard are maybe worse than we had <laughs> at the end of last season. And then, in contrast to that, we, you know, we're already talking about Wembley and, and playing. You're playing under the. I was going to say twin towers, but I should say the arch now, right? Um, dating myself there, so. Let's 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 be like true Leicester fans and like go full hyperbole on all of this. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, Jim, focus on the misery as a true Leicester <laughs> fan. Just uh, focus on the misery. <laughs> Chris, it's been a crazy, uh, you know, few days there. And apologies, guys, getting the pot out a little bit later than normal on a Thursday. Just you know how it is with schedules and things like that. But yeah, Chris, what? I mean, oh, dude, mate. it just sums it up, right? I mean, Jim put it perfectly. Yeah, it's just, it's a, it was a hell of a 96 hours from the lowest of the low to the highest of the high. I'll have to admit, Matt, I was probably one of those lads that was on top of old John, ready to just say, sod it, <laughs> season's over Friday. Come to, I mean, I don't normally get that high and low, but yeah, it's been yeah. a whirlwind of emotions, mate. Crazy, was- crazy few days. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I apologize for the late podcast, but honestly, guys, like, I think it's much better this way because if I, I think if we had done the pod, you know, on Sunday, I think it would have just been the most depressing shit ever. And so to have this now and this, you know, this result after making nine or whatever changes we made uh, to play this Premier League side and then to get that result and, and, you know, see so many positives, whether we're talking about Reiki, whether we're talking about Stellarchik, I mean, it's just it was a it's it's very good timing, I think, uh, to to, you know, be where we are now, Jim. Yeah, totally. Um, I think it's I think it was a the biggest thing I kind of thought about and, you know, as you said, Matt, getting a chance to kind of have some reflection on this and not kind of produce sort of a reactionary pod. Maybe, maybe we may be a bit more measured and maybe overly kind of philosophical about the result on Friday. I don't think we want to, like, I don't want to kind of imply that like any of us feel like good about that result. Right. Um, based on our conversations Friday and over the weekend, you know, <laughs> like most of the listeners, I'm sure it ruined our Friday afternoon and night and pretty much into the weekend as well. Um, through, I think, a number of really infuriating factors um, that were beyond our control. And like the biggest one is obviously, I think we were the better team for the, certainly the first 70, 70 odd minutes. And then, you know, what happened let's not talk about the last you know 80th minute onwards 
on Friday and then seeing, you know, the Leeds fans celebrate their cup final win, you know, and, and you know, butchering an already easily butcherable Kaiser Chief song as well. So, um, yeah, but uh, yeah. And then, uh, and then Matt, as you said, a wonderful performance with a team, which with a team of like not starters as well. So I think that, you know, we know Bournemouth played come kind of their sort of reserve team as, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about it with you guys over the next, you know, few, few minutes, many minutes, tens of minutes when we're until we run out of alcohol. I'll go. I just want to jump to agree with Jim. Um, Friday was, I think, a really interesting game, and being able to look back on it now and reflect on some of the positives, and also kind of maybe think about what we actually did wrong, has been kind of very refreshing. I mean, to your point, Matt, I think if we'd recorded any time before tonight, I don't know if we'd ever be able to have that context because as I said, I was fuming after the end of that game. Um, it felt like a real opportunity to kind of, I don't know, seal it up almost. And now we go into the weekend with the potential of only being three points ahead of Leeds if they win on Friday, I think it is. So, um, yeah, it's gonna be it'll be a, it's gonna be a fun conversation. Uh, so yeah, great point, dude. And I think like let's I I don't even really want to cover the leads. Like that's I don't even want to talk about it. But I feel like we'd be doing a disservice to the listeners and ourselves if we didn't. Uh, and also Ollie, who made a video, obviously for it. So um, I guess we have to cover it. Um, you know, first off, I think the the biggest thing that immediately jumped out to me that oh fuck as soon as i you know pulled it up and and started watching was i saw craig pawson and had i known before the match and paid more attention and i guess i have to now if they're just going to spring these kind of surprises on us but had i known that that was the man that was going to be in charge of us on the night. I tell you what, I would not have been optimistic at all to begin with. Um, for again, any of you newer fans, just Google Craig Pawson, Leicester City, and um, among the results that you'll see now from the travesty that he had at the Leeds match, just uh, get ready to read about a fun time with Jamie Farty getting a red card in the first half uh, from a few years back. Uh, the man just has always seemingly had it out for us. Uh, he does not like us. And I think it was fully on display with some of the absolutely shocking um, not, no calls and then calls on Ricardo, for example, that happened. I mean, what do you even say, Chris, about one of the most unprofessional performances by a ref that I've seen since the last time he did one of our matches. So this, this is one of those things that really annoys me. I think one thing all season that we've been able to do on this podcast is really celebrate the championship for what the championship is. Like everybody knows that the championship, we don't have the technology of VAR and fundamentally it's all about referees that are established in the championship, established in the football league and utilize what's available for them to make decisions. And it, it, it happens every year that as you get closer and closer towards the finale and you get the top teams playing each other, it's almost as if the referees association goes into panic mode as like, okay, we need a Premier League ref to referee these big games because all of a sudden the championship refs that have been doing it all season and no longer up for it. And it, it feels like that Pawson was just off from the pace of the championship. He hadn't necessarily got the flow of what the championship football was this year. I'd be intrigued to see how many games is actually refereed in the championship. I don't actually know. But it felt like he was off. And he was making decisions, Matt, that were just shocking. I mean, the Ricardo yellow card in the first half is, I mean, just in... After, after ignoring... Yeah, after right. ignoring the blatant yellows yeah. earlier because, you know, and it was just like, oh, it's early in the match, uh, so he's not going to give him that. I don't give a shit. It's a dangerous challenge. Like, I, I just don't understand. And, you know, it sounds so ass to be on here and sound like one of these conspiracy theorists. But when you watch a performance like that and you look at the history of this referee with us, I don't know what else to say, Jim. Um... No, I think you, you you guys nailed it. I think the big thing is <clears throat> it's he's you know he's a Premier League referee that kind of 
obviously he was given that game due to the sort of size of it, right? Or I don't know if he was on the naughty step and got relegated. Uh, you know, apologies, I haven't done my research on that bit. But I think it was said on the, the When You're Smiling podcast um, that I think a lot of the calls he made, it was almost like he was – he, he's had he got so used to VAR bailing him out on stuff and you, you know when we do when I'm sure when you guys watch the the Premier League as well you kind of see you know you see stuff and Chris as you said it's like it's just nice to see that the call on the field is the call on the field and I think we've all got used to that now over the you know over the season right and yeah it doesn't always go our way and you know but and I think things like you know if the game hadn't been going the way it was going, you know, later on, I think we'd have probably accepted Dakar's disallowed goal to make it 2-0 a lot better if if the referee had been kind of, you know, the refereeing and officiating had been sort of championship norm. Um, but some of the terrible decisions kind of were kind of called, you know, that's the, it feels like that's the one where there was no benefit of the doubt. And it was like, oh, if we get it wrong, that's a prime VAR, that's a goal, right, to, to make it 2-0. And so, Matt, I think, you know, Ricard, you call out Ricardo's, the yellow, yellow card for Ricardo in, like, what, the first 15 minutes, uh, 17th minute, I think it was right after we got the what, what scored, right? And um, that was another one where it was, like, it was right in front of him and everyone could see he got the ball. Like, we could see it from the, the original play, you know, I was calling like, no way is that a foul. No way is that a foul. And you can see how he hooks his leg around and just kind of, he blocks the ball and the player goes over the top. And, you know, there was a bit of in the commentary, oh, well, if that's, you know, I guess, you know, is that sort of play, tackle a foul nowadays? And it's like, no, it's never a foul. Never been a foul. Um, you know, he didn't take the man. He took the ball and the ball stopped and the man went over the ball. Yeah. Um, so, like, I don't really want to give... Craig Pawson any more airtime because of the amount of like just I don't think he deserves our, our 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 breath and oxygen to be honest and no, yeah. I'd rather talk a bit about the game and the fact that we had a pretty decent start I think you know KDH showed intent from the start we had a long range and it felt one out um, I you know I think I mentioned we were the better team you know Daka you know. That, you know, Daka had a, you know, they went the other end and they had a chance and it looked like it was going to be one of those games where it's like, this is going to be exciting. This is going to be what we wanted to see. The top two teams, you know, duking it out on a Friday, you know, on the main stage type thing. And, you know, it was proven by, you know, Daka having a sighter and Meslier tipping it over, which led to a scoring off a corner, guys. Let's take that as a freaking positive. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and it was just like this is going to be an intent like an amazing game it's going to be awesome and then three minutes later you know as, you know i'm going to go back on what i said the ref kind of ruins it <laughs> but i think that's but then it's like okay we kind of like you know i was i'm sure you were the same absolutely bricking it that that's it ricardo's going to get a red there's no way he can, can't go through the rest of this game without a yellow um, but he did, thank goodness. Which um, honestly, I yeah. which honestly I think is Pawson. I think he realized his fuck up. I, I'm not sure Ricardo could have earned a red card uh after that because Pawson knew what a fuck up the first one was. Well, there was a couple of chances where you saw Ricardo like talking back pretty and I think if he hadn't been on the yellow mat to your point, I think he might have talked himself into the book a bit later. Yeah. But you could see it, he was amped up and I think that's like after the goal and after that, we kind of came into the game a bit and we started controlling that. And I think the, the thing that impressed me a load was the link up play KDH just driving with the ball and linking with Mavadidi and like throughout that first sort of half. And, you know, yeah, they had a few chances and so forth, but we were just dominating them down their right, our left. And just, it looked like we were going to carve them up for fun. And, you know, they were doing some jinking around and some nice play, but I don't think they really had much, much thing, anything that worried us up there. There's the, the there was the right, they had the shot right at the start, but that was about it. And um, 
yeah, I think I felt like we kind of went into the half half time. I felt like, oh, okay, we can do this. I'm going to echo what you said, Jim. I thought it was a game where we dominated that 70 minutes in the middle. And it was the 10 minutes at the beginning and the 10 minutes at the end of the game that I think really cost us. I think the first 15, 10, 15 minutes was a bit, everyone was amped, as you said. And it was a lot of getting up. Everyone went forward. We were defending for our lives. We were attacking for our lives. I think once the game calmed down, we were dominant. I thought you, you were spot on with I thought KDH was excellent, Manavidi excellent. I thought Docker held up the ball pretty well as well. Mm. I thought he looked really good in that little block. And I had the same sentiments going into the first half. I was like, after half time, I was like, look, this is, I felt like if we could get one more, that was it. It felt like the, it is such a cliche in football, but it did feel like at half time that the next goal was going to be the, it, it didn't feel like a game where it finished one all. If Leeds scored, I kind of had already identified that I was like, okay, we're probably gonna lose it. But if we could have grabbed that that second, I thought it was game. I thought it was game over, and um, yeah. it was yeah, just a just. I thought looking back, I think we we played pretty well. Um, we were dominant. I think dominant is the correct correct word at times. It absolutely was, and and I I think not only would. <laughs> listen all you had to do was turn up the volume and listen how quiet ellen road was chris i mean like it was it was literally silent until the 80th minute so for all of the hubble who made about that atmosphere at that place we completely shut them the fuck up the only thing they had to cheer for was when craig paws and handed them the game (laughs) and so i i i don't know i would if i were them i'd be getting leeds kits printed pausing on the back of them (laughs) and spot on Matt and I think like and Chris as you said it's the classic it's the cliche of you got to put your chances away like yes. I think we could have been two three yeah. up easily you know I, I think about you know I, I write in all caps underline like hey we made a freaking shit ton of chances to make it two nil like Mavadidi effort um Ricky P effort like there was a cross and he just couldn't get on the end of it Vestergaard hit the post. Um, and then, well, obviously that led the, the hitting the post led to the goal that Dakar actually put in because yeah. it, it was Vestergaard hitting the post that bounced off into a lead defender and then bounced to Dakar. So, you know, that should have stood. And then, and then, it, and then I think then Dakar again had another when he was clean put through and he drags yeah. it wide. So it's like, I think we had. Ugh. One like Ricky P was close, probably low low XG. Steffi was a bit far out, a good save. Daka Daka's was a goal, and I think that the one he missed was a very high probability chance. I was yeah. thinking about like, did he could he have taken another touch? I did watch back again to highlights. I think he had to hit it, but yeah. he was yeah. rough yeah. and he just dragged it. And I think this is what you get with Daka. You know, Chris, as you said, he worked his socks mm-hmm. off. He pressed so hard. He linked up the play, and he provided so much energy and and an out an outlet that he's that kind of player where you kind of cut him some slack for not being as clinical. I have no doubt that if Vardy, if that was Vardy on the end of that, it was in the back of the net. But I don't, I don't know. Mentioning Vardy, I don't know if there was a bit of psychological oomph with Leeds not seeing his name on the team sheet in the squad and i think looking back and you know as you could tell we could all tell and we're all saying at like 60 minutes 65 minutes like mavadidi was on his ass but he was so tired because he'd worked so hard back backwards and forwards and i think just maybe not having that like the subs and the quality of like if you bring avadi on the way we were playing for daka i think we win we win that game out but Obviously, we, you know, you guys can maybe talk about what happened. I'm too sad. Oh, it's coming back <laughs> well, no, to me now. It's coming even, back. Even before that, I'm I, I just think there there needs to be a serious discussion again about the striker uh, position, especially if we stay in this position and do indeed get the promotion that we all are hoping and praying for. Um, I don't like. It would be interesting to me to go back and see just how many points or lost points, I mean, have come off of Daka's foot this year. Um, 
I am with you. The guy opens a game up and we saw it early in the year when he, you know, when, when Enzo started, you know, Vardy more and uh, Nacho more, and then switched to DACA midway. Remember we were like, are they going to play him? Are they not going to play him? And then it was like his first game and second, it was immediately apparent how much more he opens the game and allows the channels for Winksy, et cetera, and KDH to put the ball through. And the question was, can he finish? And man, there's just the finishing is just it's enough to drive you crazy, Chris, because I want to love the kids so bad. But to your point, he could have had a fucking hat trick in this match. Yeah, I mean, it's the inconsistency, isn't it? I think that's going to be the that's going to be his biggest problem at this moment in time. I mean, look, he's only 25 is what is now his third season in English football, I think it is. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think he can see the improvement to his game. I think when we signed him originally, it was all about pace, 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 this idea that he'll be a ground and he'll be the next, he'll just be able to run over the top. But he's getting more to his game. And I think under Enzo, we're seeing that. And um, look, I, if he gets the same, I have no doubt if, he, if he's in the same position that day, he'll score. Because I just think it was just one of those games, Matt, where it was just like everything that could go wrong okay. went wrong for us in that last 10 minutes. I mean, All right. we, I, the one thing I'll bring up and interested to get your boys' thoughts on this is like this is the second game now in the top three where Enzo has made substitutions and the catalyst has literally been that we've conceded. I mean, the Ipswich game, we made those subs and they scored. The Leeds game now, we literally made those substitutions and within, what, a couple of minutes, it was it was one apiece. And I understand that we can't expect everybody to be out there for the full 90 minutes, but are we, are we mentally switching off at these moments in time? What is it that there seems to be, this is, I don't know whether it's a trend or it's just an interesting thing that it seems like in both of these big games where we've made substitutions, we've been vulnerable around that substitution and i don't know whether it's well, a communication issue what whatever it is but there's, there's something there i mean i just i don't know chris i think it's another uncomfortable topic that we're gonna have to talk about at some point and that's uh enzo's record and what's happened thus far in quote unquote big matches this year um because yeah you look at Late subs, uh, the subs that he did made, bringing McAteer on after what were, in my opinion, masterclass subs from Leeds. He, I, I just, it, I don't, maybe Jimmy, maybe you have a better idea on this, but it just seems like he has been outmanaged multiple times this season. Uh, I don't know if it's been, I think, I agree. I think there maybe is a bit of, He's very much a system coach. And so a lot of his substitutions are kind of, let me replace someone who plays in this position with someone who plays in this position again. And I think it's, I think it works if you're Man City and you take off, you know, yes, Jeremy Doku and you bring on, uh, you know, Jack Grealish or you, you take off, you know, Phil Foden, you bring on Bernardo Silva, right? You know, but... I think what it's shown is like we are starting eleven. Like we've got probably, you know, I'd say the best starting eleven in the league. I don't know maybe if we've got Wilf, right? You know, maybe there's you know someone could argue like the better centre back. I don't think we've got a better goalkeeper. I think between Vardy up front, you know, we've got you know we've got some quality. Maybe um, I can't remember his name. The lead sort of attacking midfielder. If, if Otto or whatever his name is, if he could finish, he'd be the he'd be amazing. But um, I th- I think like when we saw it, it's like Mavadidi went off because he was knackered, and he kept him on too long, and it started. They started pushing us back and building momentum. And I think he was a bit slow. To your point, Matt, to you know, when you talk about being outmanaged, I think he's a bit slow to kind of pull the trigger to make a change. He seems to kind of come in really prepared. If it's not working. We tend to either qualitatively, qualitatively, kind of like play through the half, and then he kind of fixes at half time, and then we kind of. But then, if something then happens in the middle of the half, second half, it's again, it's there's a bit of a lag, and it feels kind of Brendan Rodgers esque, I, I think. And maybe we're kind of so 
attuned to how Rogers was that we're like looking at it in Enzo, maybe more than it is there or not. But um, yeah, you're right. McAteer just wasn't at the races. And uh, it, it was a game that I felt was crying out for bring on someone with some experience to just sort of slow the game down. We're yeah. one nil away from home. We're under pressure. Matt's frozen, but he's also looking like he's very like serious in his frozen face. Um, <laughs> I'm literally not frozen. I'm working on some documents. Sorry. Okay. And then, um, <laughs> sorry. And then um, that was the problem. Like, I just don't know why the game before he, like we put Cannon on left midfield. Yeah. We lost the match, right? Against Borough. But Cannon playing left left mid, left striker, set up Vardy for a goal. It worked. Why not do that again rather than bringing McAteer on, who hasn't really proven himself as a winger um, this season and sort of gone off the boil a bit? You know, he's a young kid. It's his first full season. I'm not blaming him at all for not being able to con- keep it consistent every week. Um, but you kind of think, like, Cannon must have been high on confidence, put me in coach, after setting up Vardy with a you know wonderful through ball against Burroughs of consolation. And actually kind of acquitted himself pretty well on the left. I get maybe him tucking in and they're kind of coming down the right and what they were doing, it was tactically maybe not the right move, but couldn't have been worse than how Casey did, unfortunately. Well, Jim, I, I think you bang on. I, I wonder if Enzo got the blinkers and was more kind of saw the chances we were creating at that time and kind of got that mentality of, okay, okay, if Daka's not got it and Madavidi's knackered, yeah, let's just do some straight swaps and see if those guys can get us that second goal. Yeah, and I'm I I'm 100% with you. The, the obvious, I was screaming. It felt like a sharky game. It felt like get all Brighton on, get yeah. somebody who's been there and done it at Ellen Road you think about the games he's had at Ellen Road and his performances oh, that yeah. he's done. Mm-hmm. Big crowd. He's got the experience. He can calm us down, put his foot on the ball, get stuck in. It It it, it screamed like one of those games where mm-hmm. it felt like, okay, we've got a goal. We've got 15 minutes, 20 minutes left. Okay, let's, let's put on Sharky and try and calm everybody down. And instead, I think we went for it, and it was just a gamble that didn't come off. And, and Yeah. I, I I well I couldn't agree more but two things quickly at the end of the season I think I am going to get Chris a shirt that says Madaviti uh number 10 <laughs> and then uh the other thing though, is <laughs> the other Chris, will get, thing, Chris will get his name right by the end of the season. No worries. I guarantee you. <laughs> he might. But uh the other thing is you're spot on dude especially given with the performance that we then saw Sharky put in, you know, um against Bournemouth. Like the guy still fucking has it. Don't get it twisted mm-hmm. guys. This our number 11, though he doesn't have the legs, you know, that these young guys have, like Fatal. I mean, we'll get into him, but I, it, you know, he still has just such class and quality. Mm-hmm. And give him a chance to put that thing in, and you can pick, you know, a four inch by four inch spot, and he's going to hit it with the ball. Mm-hmm. He is just mentally, he is incredible. Losing it a little bit physically, speed wise, but the guy's still able to do it, Jim. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I think he would have, like, you know, it could have been, I didn't think Fatou had a, I think he had one of his poorest games for us as well. On the right, I felt like he was ripe for subbing. And, you know, but maybe they're going to keep him on, bring on Albrighton and put him on the right, put, you know, Fatou on the left and at least kind of keep, give him some, and then kind of have the pace down the left that was hurting them you know, with Jewsbury Hall. But I think it's criminal that we didn't make any subs until the 78th minute. And then, of That's course, two minutes later. I, equal. Yeah. And then look at the subs that um, Barker brought on. Uh, Dan James kind of creating some havoc down on the right. Um, Bamford, you know, I was, I think I was like, oh, shit, he hasn't scored. You know, they were going about how he's not scored all season. Like, yeah, typical that- Bamford going to do that. And he's a nothing yeah. for it like fan as well um you know and connor roberts comes on and scores connor roberts yeah. yeah so um but i think you guys are spot on it's like 
we kept just getting pushed and pushed back. And I looked at the, but the goals themselves, like, again, like weak, poor defending. Like, I think Vestergaard had been so good in that game. And he was, I know we're going to talk about for Bournemouth, but where he was phenomenal. But he was so weak and kind of all the worst of Vestergaard defending for their first goal where he didn't really do anything. And then, you know, we all sort of stood around and Roberts just kind of hit and hope really, right? And it kind of, you know, gets in. And then they're they're up for it. And then they've got the they've got the momentum at that point. And they're coming in. And then, you know, the second goal was just again, it was just poor defending, no pressure. You know, Winks doesn't, you know, the ball works its way out. We could have got it. I think we lose it on our left back even. They're trying to play it out when they're all over us. Like, what are we doing? Just freaking hoof it out at that point. And then, you know, it works its way over to the right, you know, through the middle and to the right. And then Winks doesn't close down um, Gray. And then Gray just has a freaking, I'm just going to hit it. <laughs> and again, Wildfast does his, the thing that I don't like about Wildfast doing his sort of like, you turn sideways, stick my little foot out, you know, <laughs> crap. You know, and then he's a flexion on that. And then it's like they're all all on us, all on us. You know, Leeds fans baying for blood. And, you know, at that point, it was just like, I think that that's the point we all wanted the earth to just swallow us up and be like, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. And, yep. you know, just blow the whistle now. We're not going to screw this. And then, of course, the 90, 90th minute, you know, give away a free kick on the edge of the box. An absolutely atrocious free kick that was going about hitting a corner going, flag. It was going to hit. It was going to go. It was going out for a throw. <laughs> yeah, and then Patrick Bamford just like sticks his fucking knee out, you know, and it just, of course, it deflects in. And you know, I think um, I think Rick Flair said this on the Big Strong Leicester Boys, but like Mads Hermanson, it, it was, you know, Matt, you know, both sort of goalkeepers, and you know, when you see the goalkeeper training of those. You know, like the catch patch thing where it's like yeah. you have to do the defending the and you don't know where the ball's gonna hit. Yeah, that's must, must be how Mads felt in goal because he nearly got to everything, but he had he no always nearly he always nearly gets to everything. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't want to turn this into a love session on him, but yeah, it, your point's yeah. perfect. There's a couple of times he dives over the ball instead of through the ball, but um yeah, he's he's pulling off some of the saves that I saw when he was at Brombo and and you watch the YouTube highlights, and it's like these phenomenal, like low gets down low. He's not the biggest keeper; like he's like six foot. No, um, which so, makes the dives look that much more impressive. So yeah, says me, the um, five nine keeper who played uni football, hey, but um, six I'm, foot I'm, here, which I can still sounds... touch the crossbar. That was all I needed to care about. It's all, um, it's all that counts. Um, it's about organizing when you're in goal on the other side, um, and be having a big mouth, which you guys know I do. Big mouth, but yeah. Baby. Minute, like, what the fuck? sorry yeah yeah i you know i i i'm i don't know how much more of it i mean we're only talk because i just feel like we just spent 20 minutes no, on a match maybe we should talk we about Monday, i mean tuesday <laughs> well i first we got to you know send it to the man in the stands oh, yeah, Mr. Yeah, McLean, uh who made the trip and uh yeah let's just send it to him Hey Matt, here at Foxes, hope all is well. Um, do you know what? <clears throat> Corners that game this afternoon and pre-game. If you said that Leeds are going to do you three-one, fine, because it's a horrible place to go, especially in circumstances like that. Um, so I didn't think we'd get anything anyway. But being one-nil, it's the manner that you're losing. One-nil up to the 80th minute. 60 minutes we were wandered up for, 70 minutes, do you know what I mean? It's, it's it's really frustrating, but it's all down to the three or four chances that we didn't take, that we really should have taken. You know, um, you had the Mavadidi one-on-one, he had, a, he had a couple of very decent chances. Yeah, it's just... Um, it's really frustrating to lose like that. But yeah, to be one nil up until the third, uh, 80th minute and then finding out that you lose 3-1. Not finding out, but losing the game 3-1. It's really disappointing because that game should have been put to bed a long, long time ago. Um, 
65th minute, 70th minute, that game should have been dead and buried. Yes, they had a chance in the first half, but I think we were the better team tonight. Um, especially in that second half, I thought last 10 minutes, obviously not, but I genuinely thought that the last, uh, sorry, the first 25, 30 minutes of that half, we were, the second half, we were, we were brilliant, winning everything. Um, but yeah, it, it worked to be. If you, it's just like Middlesbrough, you don't take chances and it's not your day, it's not your day. Um, yeah, fuck it. Oh, it's a frustrating one though, it's a hard one to, it's a hard one to swallow that is to be honest. But we'll go again, Tuesday night. Again, it's another one that you're, not, you're going to not really expect to know. So, we'll see how we get out of Bournemouth. It's going to be a long old trek, that is, but that's why we love it. Um, yeah, stay safe all. Take care. So, yeah, obviously, as right. he said, he made the trip to uh, Bournemouth. Um, and I think that I'll just let maybe Ollie's <laughs> next video speak for himself uh, how he was feeling after that. So I don't know yes. if that I think that that's just the perfect way to sum up the last two games right there. Uh courtesy of Mr. Ollie McLean. Oh my god. Firstly, Ollie, mate, you're gonna have to teach me when you come out here how to be so calm and level-headed after that performance and then recording that video within 30 minutes of the Leeds game. Uh imagine if we'd done that, Matt, like we we'd recorded a video what we would have oh, said. Dude. So Ollie, appreciate the the calmness and the yeah, brilliant, absolutely. What a, brilliant. What a perfect lead in to uh, you know, the to the to the Bournemouth match, Jimmy. Um, yeah, I don't that he kind of speaks for us. Yeah, gangsters paradise, man. Yeah, and I've had a night out in Bournemouth, and it is a is a gangst full of gangsters as well. So, um, <laughs> well, it looked like a mostly empty dance floor. <laughs> they, well, was... the average age of people who live in Bournemouth is about. 80 so um yeah, they probably so, all in bed. so florida is where america goes to die that's kind of what we said so is born with yeah Bournemouth is like die. a big retirement town and also a big army base as well so it's either full of like squaddies going on a night out when they've been like let out and they go nuts or old people, it, you know, there's a uni there and there's it some other really, stuff. honestly, some I, I think we're coming across something here that Bournemouth is the Florida of England. So I don't know if we just ride with that going forward. Let's, let's um, leave that. And if there's, we've got any listeners in Bournemouth, let us know if you agree <laughs> or not. I mean, coming in against a premier league side, a mid table premier league side that we had said all year, we would love to see how we would, um, you know, compete against this kind of club that we all see ourselves as now, especially, you know, looking at how the Prem's going this year. And the first thing we do is we see like nine changes and it's like, all right, well, respect to uh, Enzo here for believing in his boys and let's see what they could do. I don't know. How are you feeling going into it, Chris? Were you optimistic when you saw that lineup? What, what, what were your initial thoughts? Um, yeah. Um, seeing the lineup. I was a little bit scared. Maybe that was a bit of PTSD from Friday. But, I mean, you saw the lineup. I think the thing that got me as well was Bournemouth also made changes, which was good. I feel like if we played that side, probably against the team that Bournemouth played against Man City on the weekend, it would maybe have been a bit of a different storyline. But, um, Mac, I mean, hell of a game. One of my favorite games I've seen in a long like it was back and forth, up and down. Like the emotions, the physicality, the 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 energy that both teams displayed. It felt like a proper game. I mean, I I listened to it on the radio because I was at work. But one thing that was great as well was the fact that the Leicester fans were in the same stand as the the radio guys. So you really picked up on the City fans. Yeah, all came along. Too didn't shut up, was singing their hearts out for the boys. I mean, we talked about how far away Bournemouth and Bournemouth is on a Tuesday night, and we packed all of our end out. And so 
fantastic reward to the guys and girls that went down there for it. But yeah, I mean, we know Steffi can do that sort of stuff. And when he does it, bloody hell, like absolute rocket and a fitting way to put us into the quarterfinals of the cup. So yeah, I mean, well, so I, think, was, Steph, I think you Steffi mean on a Monday, and it was actually yeah, Steffi Fatawu. But um, <laughs> oh my god, did I get off? For God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for two. Oh my god. Oh, Sorry, guys. Absolutely I wanted. Rubbish. No, you're good. I wanted to ask you though. Did you? Because you were listening to the radio. That's how I enjoyed it as well. Were you having the same volume issues as me? Like it was insanely quiet. Yeah, we eyed it up on a hundred, full hundred percent with volume boost and, on my phone, and it was to get still it, quiet. To still quiet, yeah, it weren't great in terms of the. Uh, Were the, you listening to it on yeah. um, through Fox's player? Yeah, yeah, it was through. Yeah. It was or Fox's yeah. hub. You mean? Yeah, uh, yes, <laughs> it was. It was uh, through there, and it was seriously so quiet. I was like, "What is going on here, Matty Elliott?" I wanted to hear. Matty Elliott at full volume, but they were, it was very, very quiet. Yeah, so it was frustrating. His full growly voice. Exactly. Not. I yeah, love but... that them switching between him and Jerry Taggart, though, each match. Like, I love that part of, of the whole thing. Uh, I actually got to watch it. I had a, had a two hour work meeting um, that I'd tactically organized in the afternoon. And I got a bit worried that we were going to extra time because I had, I had meetings lined up after the, after the game um but luckily i was all right and, and it, you know it's not fun when two games in a row are work days either and you have to kind of no. you know for, for, for all of us over here we have to kind of like skip work pretend to work or we just miss it right and um that's that's the that's the challenge you know that's the downside of being able to watch every game and um being here yeah really. Sure, sure, absolutely. But I mean, as somebody that got to watch it, why don't you describe us describe to us <laughs> yeah, that yeah. hit? Because we listened to it live, but I yeah. mean, and we've Steffi, seen the Steffi replays. But uh, no, um, well, I think a lot happened before that. If, if we, if you may indulge me, but um, I, I totally agree with you, Chris. It was like even the team sheet. It was a bit of a how much does he really care about winning versus oh no, he's resting people. Um, or he's mixing it up, I think, was really what happened. And, yeah, Chris, I was like you when I saw the the team sheet for Bournemouth a bit later. You know, we don't, I don't look at theirs. You know, I was like, okay, this is this might be doable. And um, I saw a comment on Fox's talk on the match thread, and it said, imagine going all the way there to watch this team. Um, you know, and then <laughs> whoever wrote that, you know, thanks for making us win because, yeah. you know, it was all on you, but... Um, I thought it was a, you know, just a good start again. You know, a bit like the Leeds game, we got into it. You know, but then you know they started getting into the game a bit more. You know, I think started showing a bit more. They were a kind of Premier League team. But then I think we had, you know, we we got again, kind of we got back into it, like you said, Chris, in the Leeds game. The you know, first sort of fifteen minutes was a bit back and forth. Um, you know, I kind of was in the chat. We're sort of saying, oh what have we learned so far? It's like their reserves are better than our reserves. It's kind of what I said, but I think, you know, Alex Scott looked quite nice for someone who we'd been watching for a long time, you know, when he was at Bristol city. Um, I wrote down in my notes, I'm glad that it was Unal up front and not Solanke. (laughs) We may have been a couple down at that point. Um, Star Chick looked really good again. I was going to say, we could have been a couple down through some of our, choices that we made defensively in that first <laughs> half especially yeah i mean i'm all i mean we love enzo ball don't get me wrong on this podcast but there's a time and place for it and i don't know if you're getting three <laughs> bournemouth players screaming down at you yeah in, in, on six yard box whether you want to be knocking the ball eight yards to no. your fullback through two players or should you smack it long i mean i think this this decision-making was questionable in that first half. It was. It was. And I, I think, like, Stolichek is a really, really solid goalkeeper, but he's also got, I think, the the footwork of a, like, the foot skills of a goalkeeper and, like, a more traditional one. You know, if I recall correctly, you know, he was kind of a bit dodgy. He had a fantastic game in the last round of the FA Cup. He was a man of the match, I think. Yep. And then, but his choices with his feet were a bit questionable, He's not as bad oh. as 
Iverson. You know, I think no. he's more of like an Iverson goalkeeper. Really good, solid, kind of keeps you feel kind of pretty confident, especially after we came after Danny Ward. You know, there's a blast from the past for the you know, <laughs> listeners from last season. But um U twenty one goalie, Danny Ward. Exactly. But um I think like then it's um you know, but I think then they kind of came into to control a bit and I think there was just a bit of sort of like I felt like Cannon just had that was he, like he's limited, you know, games, right? You know, he had that sort of purple patch, but I didn't. I think that was his, you know, worst game for us. You know, like like um, Fatawa's worst game for us for a while was that Leeds game. I think Cannon, you know, he was constantly sort of offside. He looked like overly anxious to do something, um, but he didn't really seem to have that link up play. That you know, we just talked about Daka having all that link up play and being fantastic and I actually looked up Dakar's XG for the season, Matt, he scored seven goals. His XG is five goals. So he's overperforming by two goals. Um, okay. All right. Vardy's also overperforming by the way, like Dakar and Vardy are the 99th percentile for XG versus actual goals. They're both over, over scoring. So I think maybe it's a bit of Dakar reverting to mean, but I thought Cannon was sort of his link up play didn't seem that good. He's getting offside. Um, and he sort of was snatching, you know, he had a chance, he sort of snatched at it a little bit. And then, um, you know, it was like a bit of Bournemouth coming in, playing nice football. They play nice football. I think we went into the half. It's, I think we still edged possession. I think they had the majority of possession, it felt, but we end up having more possession the whole half. But I think most of ours was in our third because yeah. we were kind of knocking it around. And Bournemouth, it felt like Bournemouth were always sort of far end, apart from a few chances. And then, you know, I think um, then we like got into it. You know, Albrighton hits the post. I thought Wanya Marcel had a really good game as well. You know, talking about again back to um, Makatia, like Marcel was the guy at the start of the season, and then all of a sudden he disappeared, right? And Makatia was in. And now he's back and he had a good game. You know, then they, you know, we get in half, half, nil, nil. Immediately they hit the post from a cross that was like random, random, random. And then I think it was like the second half was just sort of, it kind of felt like it was going to be a nil, nil in a way. I felt like this is going to extra time or we're going to lose this in the 90th minute is kind of what I felt like at the time watching, Um, especially with, you know, Eunice missing a load of good, like we just, again, we were getting close, we were getting close, but didn't do anything. But I don't feel like Bournemouth did anything scary. There's a couple of chances that I think Stolichik saved, but they were good saves, but I think they're expected saves as well. And, um, you know, this is a game where actually subs made a difference. You know, Fatawu came on and was hungry and fantastic. I thought Kelechi was really good. Um, and, um, we had like Vestenbauer at the back, you know, what a game that guy had and Connor Cody, like playing right mid, it was like, which, which made me feel better for the, you know, better for the, you know, next couple of games without, without Vestergaard. Cause we would probably said Ben Nelson, if, if we'd have been betting who's coming in for, for Vestergaard before that game and then um we finished the game i think we finished the, the the 90 minutes the strongest team yeah totally agree totally agree on that i thought i think you summed it up really nicely um i thought Eunice was really good oh fantastic. i think he <laughs> yeah. he didn't necessarily have the he did there was a couple of chances like you said i think the header in the first half where maybe he could have done a little bit better but box to box that guy ran his heart out for us no, all game long. But Hell Chris, performance there. Chris literally boxed the box because yeah. once he got inside the box, he was completely yeah, <laughs> But he did. He, he did really he run him. hard. He ran his ass oh, off. Yeah, yeah. right. But you need that. You need that at times. Like, you're not going to get everybody being able to be as decisive up the pitch. But what we needed from that game on Tuesday was for the fans just lads that would go out there yeah. put the heart and soul on the line and just do a shift for us. 
And it How was about, just that was what we just needed do, as a family. And Echo Jim, I thought I thought when Ian Acho came on, he was really good. I really liked Ian Acho. He he held the ball up really well and kind of was pretty pretty good. Classic. Uh, it was classic FA Cup Ian Acho, dude. It All that was that, yeah. missing was uh, the goal. Yeah. Else, yeah. Um, it, and, yeah. Sorry, and I'll just say, yeah, Vestergaard yeah. or Vestabauer, as you call him. Yep. I mean, yep. what a ninety-six hours that lad could have had if the Jesus. ball had gone in against Leeds and he and and the chip had gone in. Oh, bloody hell! I, I I think, like to your to your point, Chris, also running their socks off, and for the fans, Hamza had a fantastic game. That guy. Like, I know a lot of people say, oh, we give him way more credit because he's a local Leicester lad than he should have. But I think that was like a really good like example of why Hamza's in the squad to come in. And I think he sort of showed not only his sort of like tenacity and willing to do the dirty work. He cleared one off the line, let's not forget. And um, but he he showed leadership. He played that like such a mature performance, I think, for him. Um not for him, like for him, because he's not immature, but like for him to show that maturity. And then the guy in the extra time, it's like he kicked on another gear. It was like, it was like Harry Winks. He didn't borrow Harry Winks. He like spraying the ball around. He's breaking up play, linking it through. Um, you know, he's pinged one out to the right mid that was just like sublime with the outside of his boot. And then um, I think it's probably down to him him and obviously Ricky P had another good game, phenomenal player again when he came on, you know, half time. But I think like Hamza, Vestergaard, and then like Ian Nacho's, like Ian Nacho just doing Ian Nacho thing to give Fatawu the ball. Like I think if it was Cannon, I think if it was Daka, so true. like they wouldn't have given the ball back. And it's not like it was like he laid it on a plate. It's like but he had the nous to kind of keep the ball, keep it calm, say, I've got nothing on. Let me turn around and let's recycle it back. Yes. And he did that so many times. And that's like you said, Matt, that's peak Nacho. Yep. Right? You know, dropping deep and linking play and being and, able know, to. I was like, half the time, like, why are you on our halfway line when you should be up front, dude? And it's like, oh, and then you see the other things when he does it. I and mean, then, we may have. Yeah. Sorry, Matt. No, you're I was just saying it's it, he. I think it's it's easy to forget how long he's been with this team, how long he's been playing this caliber and this high level football. Uh, the kid mentally sees the game, you know, he sees it. He does, and like he didn't get that many minutes in Afcon, so he's rusty. Yeah, you know, everyone was like saying he's like number four choice striker now by a country mile. And it's kind of like, hey guys. Uh, so, but I think, like, if you think about Canon, Canon before Christmas, like Canon in that run, you know, obviously Vardy, I think, is the number one choice if he's fit. And Daka, like, probably Daka right now, maybe Vardy. You know, but that combo is our one to punch. And then now it's been Canon had his purple patch. And I think, like, I think there's a bit of, Matt, what I mean is, I think with Nacho going away, people forgot what he can do. Yeah. Which, you know, which you've kind of like, you know, I don't think, I know you've got a, a big special place in your heart for Nacho, you know, and as, as do we all on this pod. And, you know, he's, he's got five goals this season. Um, actually not one in the FA Cup, but he's only had one appearance. So he can't, he can't do yeah. something when he's not here. Right. right? Not but, um, he had a pretty good start to the season. I think for me, this has been like strikers chip. Like we talk a lot about, I think at the start of the season, we we're like, our striker's going to score any goals because it was like KD8 show, wasn't it? And now it's like, you look at our strikers, they're in like the, like Vardy and Daka, the 99th percentile for the league. Nacho, 96th percentile in the league for expected goals. And then Cannon is, Cannon is like 90th percentile. So like we've got strikers who are doing it and they're, you know, he's got, He's about on par. He scored two goals in the league and he's got, it was due about 1.66, but like the other three are outperforming. And that's just to me, something that's not, I don't think we've kind of, it's gone on the radar that Vardy's got 10 goals. I think doesn't yeah. seem like he's got that many to me. So. He is. It, it's, it's, it's honestly 
been crazy how every single striker this year has both enthralled us and at the same point disappointed the fuck out of us like they've literally just gone through the roles so i I, I, I would just say one thing as much as much as we were disappointed and we sat on the pod earlier about enzo and his decision making maybe in the leeds game um it was kind of the flip here you look it, it seemed like with the it felt like he understood that there was a potential for us to get some out of that game. And the decision, mm-hmm. I mean, he made, he, he brought on some of the, he made some decisions, which I actually, I, I was thinking kind of, as I was listening to the game, it was like, this would be a good call right now. And he was, he was doing that. And it was nice to see the flip side of that. And like, and yeah, I mean, it's just the two sides of mm-hmm. substitutions really, but well, it did feel like the change canon, the switch from Cannon and maybe bringing Ricky P on and and Justin. I mean, Justin as well is another guy that we've not said much about, but mm. I thought he was pretty good as well. Yeah, I, I like. I think it felt at half time. Like, why is he taking Racky off? He's had a pretty solid first half, but I think you're right, Chris. It's like, did he see something? It's like, look, I bring Ricky P on, and we're probably all like, give guy a rest for a bit. Like, bring him on a bit later. But this, but Ricky P can come in and influence the midfield and boss it, and do, and we can put Hamza back to sort of being more, doing the dirty work, and Ricky P can kind of roam around more, because Ricky was just sort of playing that holding, wasn't he? And then it was sort of like Hamza was playing that other, other sort of six eight. You know, I think big shout out to, or inverted fullback, a big shout out to Dennis Pratt, who lasted 106 minutes, and I thought again had another really good game. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of like, you know, I think you're spot on. I think he's, I think he showed between Friday and Tuesday, like a bit of, I think a bit of evolution in terms of game management. And I think we've seen it a few times where he's been ruthless in terms of substitutions. Like I think Cover at halftime when he played against, was that, was that in the last cup? cup match or was that the stoke match i think cup match wasn't it he played a good half and he takes him off at halftime so so yeah and then obviously fatawa and nacho said well, it just on, to, on, a, on a light note will any will you boys ever get used to dennis pratt's new hair i can't no dude i don't know it feels it feels so weird watching we the highlights it. i'm always doing is that Who's that? Oh, that's Dennis Pratt. No, dude. Oh. And the with the with the pointy like Picasso goatee, like the whole thing is. He's always had weird. that little beard, though. He's always had a little chin. I think it's a different color now because I didn't used to notice it. I that's <laughs> I that's what I'm saying. I think I just... it's like brown curtains from 1993. <laughs> you know, like he's going ah. to shoegazing bands or something. You know that you know the Seagrave hairstylists got to him exactly. <laughs> It's a grunge show. Um, okay. Well, uh, I did want to uh, take this moment. Our uh, fellow co-host, Mr. Jason Becker, I'm sure you guys noticed from the New York Fox, is not with us this evening, but he did send in his thoughts on uh, the match. Just a quick little note from him, uh, though he wasn't able to join us in person. Uh, he wanted to send in his video thoughts. So here were his thoughts uh, following that match. Hey, fellas. Sorry I'm not recording with you tonight. Just uh, had to send a message. Got one thing, one thing only to say to you. Fatawu Abdul running down the wing. Abdul makes the lesson sing. Abdul, let's just go straight back up. And there you have it. Another perfect appearance from Mr. Jason Becker. Did he ask about the MSG? Of course he was. Uh, (laughs) He was getting ready to go into a Rangers game uh, and was so nice to send us that video. So, yes. New York Fox is feeling the love just like we were. So, yeah, guys, alive. And uh, if you saw it, we got the draw now against Chelsea. Um, I Why not? You know, why not get another Chelsea manager fired, Jim? Uh, the draws that could happen, I'll take it. Why, I mean, Coventry would have been sweet, but we'll t- what is, it is what it is. No, let's let's have Coventry at Wembley and make them cry at Wembley again. You know, that'll be that'll be my dream. You know, we'll beat we'll beat Chelsea easy, easy ozy. You know, just make Conor Gallagher cry in front of it. You know, the 
Matthew Harding stand. Um, and then, you know, I don't think they can afford to fire Pochettino, unfortunately, because he's probably on a 9,000 year contract that's worth $10 million, <laughs> but they, but they pay in such installments, such a long time that it's worth like 10 P a year. Um, so, you know, we can, we can make chill well cry on in that game. And then, you know, we can make, then we can make Coventry fans cry at Wembley again. Yes. That will be the dream. And then we can lose to Man City in the final and we can all cry at Wembley just like we <laughs> cried against Man City. Hey, we have Listen, a good track record against Man City in Wembley. We do. We do. Long live that uh, so apart from when they Apart from when they beat us in the FA Cup final. That's true. That was a long time ago. <laughs> well, a long time ago. I but would that, say, remember I, that I community one, shield, man. Come on. Yeah, well, yeah, true. I think the one thing I would say is, um, yes, it's a name in Chelsea, but all in all, I mean, it was a great, I mean, we're playing a mid-table Premier League side away from home. Correct. It's a really good draw. Again. It's a really again. good opportunity for us. I mean, yes, we could have, we could have got some, you know, like Liverpool, City. I mean, we got basically a mid-table team that leads really pushed during the week. And so, um, I'm excited by it, mate. I think me it's too. A chance for what six, seven thousand Leicester fans to take the trip to the big to the big smoke, and yep. uh, and and just make some noise. And so, yeah, I'm 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 really really looking forward to that game. Um, Be... but, yeah, that's for another time on the podcast. I think what QPR Saturday Matt is where we want to. Yeah, but for <laughs> Chelsea though, B B. I no, I just wanted to say B D D A. Big Dick Dan Amarty energy heading into Chelsea. Everyone <laughs> just embrace it. Also, can we maybe celebrate the fact that it avoids us playing on a weekday against Southampton because that game's got moved. So hopefully, well, although that means the re, the, the re like the rearranged match will be on a midweek. So, you know, maybe we lose out more because most of us can probably play hooky on a Friday afternoon more than we can play it on a on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Yes, so, uh, correct. <laughs> Um, but QPR heading into town on Saturday, heading into the KP, uh, your thoughts going into this one, Chris QPR team that, uh, we're down at the end. They do have seem to be having a resurgence coming in under their new manager. Yeah. I mean, look, no game in the championship is easy. We've seen that this season. Um, 21st in the league QPR, um, they need points to stay up. We need points to keep pushing. Um, Fully expect us to put a performance in, get three points. But um, it, it's a really big, big game. I mean, as we talked about right at the beginning of the podcast, Leeds have an opportunity to close this gap to three before the before we even kick off. And I feel like this is a season where if we can keep this little bit of a cushion and just keep, we're getting closer and closer now to the finish line, that um, games like this, we can, I mean, this is a game at the beginning of the season. We chalk for three points. The The situation hasn't changed. I think, as we've talked about, winning at Bournemouth has completely created a brand new narrative. If we'd gone three on the spin losing, hell, this podcast and the mentality going into that game is going to be completely different. But I expect the KP to be loud. I expect everyone to be the the fan, the fan base to be enthusiastic. And I think I think we'll do a map. I, I hope it's a comfortable performance. I'd love to see a three or four nil just to continue and build that momentum. But we just need a win. They're coming in uh, two on the bounce. Uh, they beat Bristol City on the 17th and then uh, beat Rotherham on the 24th. So they got a little bit of uh, momentum coming into it. But I don't think any momentum like knocking a Premier League club out of the FA Cup. They, so they lost um, that six. So they're not doing, they're, you know, they're kind of getting back a bit. Yeah, right. draw against Norwich City, they beat Blackburn, yeah. draw against Huddersfield. So it's certainly not well, a bad team. They beat Millwall before that too. It's a team that, uh, like I said, they've got a new manager and they've got some um, yeah. inspiration coming under him and uh, definitely fighting to stay up. We know how dangerous those teams can be. So I will be very excited to see us put in a professional performance and knock them uh, back to their where they should be, in my opinion. Um, I did want to give a shout-out to South Alabama. We had a listener, Liam, reached out a few weeks ago, and I had uh, I kept forgetting to put this in there, but Liam is 
going to be studying, I believe, in Mobile next year. And he's wondering if there are any Alabama Foxes that he can watch matches with. So if you are an Alabama Fox, please get in touch with us via the Twitter so that we can put you in touch with the fine Mr. Liam. And yeah, we're always looking to uh, to build those uh, fan groups, Chris. Alabama Foxes. Yeah, roll Fox roll. <laughs> roll Fox roll. <laughs> Uh, guys, QPR, like you said, on Saturday, it's a big one. Look for your local, uh, friends, families, cousins, um, anybody that you can watch this match with. Let's keep this momentum going. I know the San Diego Foxes will be loud and proud at 7 a.m. from the Bluefoot in North Park, San Diego. I know the New York Foxes will be getting together at Legends. I know the Rochester Foxes will be getting together. Check on the Philly Foxes. Uh, etc., etc., Dallas, Texas Foxes probably getting together. So look for your normal, your local group, or if you don't have one, make one. And uh, let's get this win against QPR, guys. We've kept you long enough. This is the part where I ask you guys if we've forgotten anything important, Jim, anything to say. Nothing apart from Chris's favorite part of the show. Where are, you- where are our cities going to be? <laughs> Chris, anything to say? No, Matt. Bated breath. Where are we going? Where are we going at the end of this podcast? Well, all right. Well, here you go. So, uh, thank you as always for joining us the US Foxes podcast. We appreciate it, guys. If you could hit that five star button, it does help us to get out in front of more fans and spread the word. But before we go any further, I did want to say congratulations and uh to our newest u.s fox officially mr jim harris who is a u.s citizen come on brother thank you very much not till not till wednesday so maybe we'll be another pod till then unless you mess up the swearing (laughs) swearing in ceremony somehow (laughs) which i highly doubt i'm just saying we are very proud of you and so stoked to have an official u.s fox that means It'll that we just have one Brit now left, Chris. Look well, at you. Well, maybe 2.5 Brits. 2.5 Americans, <laughs> 1.5 Brits we'll have in the pod. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. So, Chris, it, no pressure, dude. I can I can hold out for a while. Don't worry about that. I'll yeah, I bet, I bet you can. I bet you can. Uh, but, yeah, guys. Thank you for joining us. And from Mobile, Alabama to Milton Mowbray, this has been the U.S. Foxes Podcast. We will see you next time. Cheers. Peace.